The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Three-time Emmy Award winner, Super Bowl host eight times, named best studio host of the decade by Sports Illustrated, James Brown. Look, I, on my job, I want to do my job extremely well. I'm a journalist. I report the facts. I'll tell the story. If I'm in a setting where I get to talk about what is important to me, then that's appropriate. But not if I'm on a set of CBS News or if I'm hosting the NFL today on CBS. My job is to be excellent at what I do because I'm glorifying God. Welcome to Life Today. I'm Randy Robinson. This is Sheila Walsh. Hey. And you know, Sheila. I'm excited. I am too. You're going to have to restrain me because my my nature is going to want to talk about sports and about football. Right there with you. Because of our guest, would you welcome James Brown? It all ties together, though. Yeah. It does. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So, I mean, I've been watching you for years on, on television because I am a football fan, you know, and I'm watching. And I always thought, what a, what a great sportscaster, a, a great journalist, you know, seems like a nice guy. But, man, there is so much more to your story than, than I realized. You are a man of faith, which is always encouraging when we, we see secular media. Mm. Um, how, how does that work? That's the foundation, um, believe you me, and I learned that a long time ago, uh, especially given that I did not play football. I mean, there was a time that I probably looked like a football player because I had gotten up to, in high school, I played basketball at about 195 pounds. A few years ago, I had gotten up to about 295 pounds, you know, so, uh, so I was trying to look the part on TV, but I feel so much better at it uh, with this. But we had a very strong mom in our family, uh, my mother, uh, God bless her, she's in heaven now. My father had a deathbed conversion. He passed away at the tender age of 46. Wow. Mom was with us only until age 72, uh, but we called her the sergeant, and she was a strong <laughs> one in the family. We saw how much she sacrificed for the five of us. I'm the oldest of five kids. And wherever mom went, we went. And I'm, I am and was a mama's boy, not in the pejorative sense of the word, but because I saw how much she sacrificed to pour into us. Mm. And when she grabbed a hold of Jesus Christ, or maybe it was vice versa, <laughs> uh, so did we. And that's the foundation of everything we do. Now, you actually were headed for a career in basketball. Mm -hmm. That was so, so how did that unfold for you? Mm -hmm. And you know what, Sheila? Um, that was a very interesting experience because I wanted to be a professional basketball player. I was a pretty fair high school player, um, two-time high school All-America, was sought after by over whoa, 200 whoa, colleges. Whoa. You just skimmed over that. Right. That's a pretty good. That's amazing. And, you know, it, it actually feels a little awkward now even to talk about those things being so grounded in the faith because I know all those things without getting too Christian ease <laughs> represent, you know, wood, stubble, and hay. Those things burn yeah. up in front of the Lord. It's only what we do for him. But I was blessed to be a pretty fair basketball player, recruited by virtually every major college in the country as a high school senior, um, and, and thought I had a future in professional sports. But the lesson I learned when I got to college, 
I didn't work as hard to stay on top as I did to get to the top. Mm. So that when I was drafted by the Atlanta Hawks, while I knew I could play basketball, there was no way I was going to make up in six months what I didn't work assiduously and diligently at for four years. Uh, But I learned a very uh, painful lesson. So I vowed that in a game of life, I would never let an opportunity pass me by that I wasn't prepared for. And getting a hold of the word of God, just like in basketball, our high school told us, high school coach told us, there's no such thing as standing still. You're either getting better or you're regressing. Same thing in terms of one's faith. You're either getting better or you're regressing. So I want to continue to grow in his word, and that's what it's all about. Do you remember a moment when you talk about the influence of your mom, but do you remember a moment when you made this faith your own? Great question. Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, back in 1974, when I committed to go on a search to understand who God was, and I said, if you're real, make yourself known to me and I will serve you. Do you know the very next week I went out and engaged in hedonistic pursuits, a party, and I felt like I had committed high treason. And I apologized to the Lord then because it just wasn't for me anymore. Happy hours didn't hold anything significant. Hedonistic hedonistic pursuits, period, didn't hold anything. But once I started that 12-year search and found a good word-teaching church, Rama Christian Center Church in Washington, D.C., that's when it became real to me. And that's when it's most important because you really can't live off of your mother's faith or your dad's faith. It's got to be your own. You're right, uh, Sheila. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So... You got cut by the Atlanta uh, yeah. Atlanta Hawks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did you get cut by another pro team? It, wow. Sorry. So you're really trying to dig deeper here, here, right? Back. I'm going somewhere here. You want to see me cry? Is that what you want to do? So, uh, yeah, you know what? The following year, because I was working in corporate America with Xerox in sales and sales management, Red Auerbach was a good friend. He invited me to the Boston Celtics camp. And when I was one of the last players cut from that team. He wanted me to go overseas and I said, no, you know what? My mother and father worked extremely hard for us to get a good education. Let me embark upon a career in the game of life. Um, So I did not go overseas and I wanted to be a champion in the game of life and that's what the pursuit has been since then. So that that was where I was going, was that you you say that you learned uh, a little bit about work ethic through Mm -hmm. maybe not doing it right in the basketball world. Absolutely. Because one of the things that I, I noticed about you on television is that you are really good at what you do. Wow. And obviously, that's the opinion of non-Christian people in the sports and journalism world because they keep promoting you. And you know what? I, I didn't think that that would happen. All I know is I just wanted to, uh, I believe it's in Colossians 3.23 where it says, you know, do all that you do heartily or excellently as unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make certain that I was pursuing excellence to glorify him. And if I did that, man can't help but be satisfied. Well, so Even to the degree of covering sports. Hey, look, when I was at Fox, they asked me to host the hockey show. Hockey. So I get introduced. I, yeah, exactly. I love hockey. I, to me, that, oh, no. you made it. If you oh, no, got you there. know when it, it is one of the most um, um, outstanding audio visual sports that there is to hear the blade on the oh, ice. Yeah. 
but I knew nothing about hockey, and I'm studying for it. So I get introduced to the national press, and as I'm being introduced, you know, all these grizzled writers, they're asking questions. JB, do you know what icing is? So I explain what icing is. Uh, JB, do you know what a two-line pass is? I'd explain what a two-line pass is. JB, do you know how they substitute in hockey? I said, of course, they, they, they have line shifts. I said, look, why don't we take the veneer off the questions? I understand what you're asking, so let me just be clear. No, hockey wasn't big in my neighborhood. I get it. <laughs> and the only thing I have in common with the sport is the color of the puck. I get that. I said, however, I will be an excellent ambassador for the sport, and I did. And I knew I made it wow. when I was covering a Stanley Cup final, and we're in uh, New Jersey. I'm one of the only few people of color in the stadium, and about 10 little white kids come up, and they've got this sign, and they chant it, and it's got my picture on it, and it says, James Brown, godfather of gold. So I knew I'd made it, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There you go. And I've got that in my basement now, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you talk about a time in your life, um, in your book, where you had to kind of make a kind of a leap of faith. Mm -hmm. You know, you have this good job, you know, and you're making a good salary, but, and you've been kind of moonlighting as a you know, sports reporter. But there came a point where you had to decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe. How did, how did you make that decision? Because I think of people listening in and they think, I feel like my destiny is somewhere else. But it doesn't look as rock solid as what I have right now. I was looking for a safety net. And actually, Sugar Ray Leonard, the boxer, it was his attorney who told me I had what was called a scholarship mentality. I wanted a safety net that if this pursuit of something in broadcasting did not work out, that I would be guaranteed another job. He says, no, you're only guaranteed success to the degree that your ability, God says in his word, your gift will make room for you. So I said, okay, well, let me go and pursue that. I'd ask one gentleman who had been in the broadcasting business for a while, but can I use that as a platform to do other things? He said, no, you need to focus on that. But in my heart, in my spirit, I felt I could do other things. Little was I aware that it would be a broad, a, a ministering platform. So broadcast, you know, this is my avocation. My vocation is about the Word of God. Uh, I'm blessed to be on the ministerial staff at our church. I really um, feel a commitment to go out and to speak the Word of God, and I have a particular commitment and, and heart for young people and for men because so many men think that being involved in faith is a crutch, and it is not a crutch. It's the truth, the Word of God. And I've done my own deep search and study. And the fact that even in the Old Testament there are over 2,000 predictive, specific prophecies. Not like a lot of faiths, if you will, where they have a general philosophy or prophecy that is revised when it didn't come true. Not so with the Bible, specifically, because mm -hmm. if anybody can prove one prophecy did not come true, the Bible loses its veracity or its uh, inerrancy, if you will. So the Bible is the inerrant word of God, and my effort is to convince young people to show them that there is absolute evidence to support that. And for those who try to say, well, give me more evidence, please, the evidence is there enough to have a convicting belief that Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is. And if somebody says, well, you know what, I don't think there's enough evidence, the absence of evidence doesn't mean that the evidence is absent. It That's is good. absolutely there. So root your life on the foundation of the inerrancy of God's word. Mm -hmm. One of the things you speak about, um, well, you can ask this something. No, 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 no. One of the things you speak about that I think is huge is the difference between being able to get a woman pregnant and being a father. Mm -hmm. 
And that's certainly very personal with me in the book. Uh, I did ask my daughter for permission uh, about that, uh, my ex as well, and of course my wife. Um, I talk about that because in, in, in certain communities, it's almost a pathology where, you know, you talk about your, you know, your baby's daddy. I mean, please, that's not speaking truthfully to how serious a responsibility that is. I had my child out of wedlock. My daughter is not a mistake. I am very proud of her. She's blessed me and my wife with four grandkids. Their uh, husband who saved, they're saved. My ex is saved. My wife, you know, so God worked it out. But I'm, I waited a long time to get married so that my daughter would be old enough so that I could talk with her to explain why mom and dad didn't get married and it had nothing to do with mom. It had everything to do with the immaturity in this gentleman here. So uh, she understood that, and, and thank God, so now she's with a man of faith, and it all worked out well, and the Lord has me now with a testimony to go around to convince men what being a kingdom man, what being a father is all about mm. in the sense of God the Father. Mm. Wow, mm. that's huge. How do you mm. find time to do sports with all this <laughs> preaching that you're doing? <laughs> oh, oh, it keeps me busy. 23 consecutive weeks I'm on a road, but you know, I'm so excited about how the... I'm here with you guys. Yeah, I had no idea I would be talking with one of the best interviewers in the business, you know, with her as well, too. Yeah. So do we both agree that she's a pretty good interviewer? The best. That's uh, why with, I'm with, honored to be able to sit by her. Oh, and I do this. Yeah. No, no. So, but I'm not letting him off the hook either, you know, because he asks great follow-up questions. Yes, you know? he does. So I take notes from everybody with whom I'm with because I never want to get complacent and assume that I know it all because I know I don't. You just set me up for my next follow-up oh, question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which is, you, you have exemplified the principle of being excellent in your vocation and allowing the respect and the platform to, to share the gospel. Mm. How do you know where to let the gospel just be shown and not spoken necessarily? Because let's face it, if you were sitting on the set of, of CBS Sports and any of these sports shows and, and you're just, you just suddenly go off on you know, preaching mm -hmm. the gospel, mm -hmm. you may not be sitting there very long. You know, my good friend Tony Dungy uh, and we're very close um, brothers in Christ and uh, we have to have this conversation because I shared that I know that my boss didn't hire me to proselytize on the job. That's not why he hired me. Um, but I tried to model the Bible. I believe it was St. Francis of Assisi who was credited with the expression, um, preach the gospel everywhere you go and speak if necessary. Hmm. So most people want to see a good sermon mm -hmm. as opposed to necessarily hearing a good sermon. So if I'm modeling God's word, um, I think that is going to be impactful to a number of people. And it has proven to be that way. Um, Look, I, on my job, I want to do my job extremely well. I'm a journalist. I report the facts. I'll tell the story. If I'm in a setting where I get to talk about what is important to me, then that's appropriate. But not if I'm on a set of CBS News or if I'm hosting the NFL today on CBS. My job is to be excellent at what I do. Um, but then, because I'm glorifying God, again, yeah. Colossians 3.23 yep. in that yep. regard. Right. But if somebody comes to me and they want to, they want to know about the hope that I have and why, that's an open door. I can certainly take that. I don't do it necessarily on air. The one time that I, I, there was one time I was hosting a CBS news show on the weekend. 
and we were debating with two guests whether or not the resurrection was real. One retired minister said that the Bible is a book of fairy tales, making a bigger point it's not true. The other I'm said, no, I believe the Bible is absolutely what it says. I told my boss, you might not want me to host that segment. He says, why not? <laughs> I said, because I'm a minister of the gospel. I'm preaching the next day on the resurrection. He said, you're perfect for it. Wow. Wow. So we do that. Go. We go through the whole discussion. And at the end, I'm thinking that there are people maybe in TV land that might be their one chance to convince them about the truth of the Bible and to go for the search for themselves. And I just said, you know what? All truth is parallel. What's true in the natural is true in the supernatural. We have bosses here on earth. There's a boss that we will all answer to. And that boss is bigger than anything. So I had to close out the segment by saying, I believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is given, you know, uh, is God-breathed and is given for doctrine, for uh, reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. And the resurrection is the linchpin that the Christian faith hangs on. Now, I assumed that I was going to be fired after that because I'm doing <laughs> news. But you know what? The Lord protected me because I spoke the truth. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. All right, and there's one more question that, that okay. before we wrap this up, mm -hmm. we, we gotta ask you about. And you alluded to it earlier, and that is the the slim. Oh, James oh yes! Brown. Look at you. I mean, you're so slipper of a yeah. man. And you know, but you know what? And everything I do now has a biblical tie-in. I have been trying for years to lose weight. I had gotten up to, as I mentioned, 295 pounds. And I tried a number of different programs uh, thinking I could just get into shape myself. Um, but God says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know, trust in the Lord in all your ways. Lean not into your own understanding and in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Well, I tied my effort to lose weight to Matthew 6.33. I said, God, I want to serve you and be a strong, healthy vessel full of energy and stamina to do the job for you. When I made that confession and I found out about a program, Nutrimost, that was developed by a Christian doctor, Dr. Ray Wisniewski, and that he rooted it to 3 John, 3 John 2, about I wish above all things that you should prosper and be in health even as your souls prosper. The weight started falling off. Wow. Now my wife has asked me to stop because she says my legs are too skinny and I'm cutting her into bed. So, oh, no. you know, so yeah. Oh, no. so. You mentioned your wife, but I just yeah. want to just take a moment and thank you for the way that you and your wife have supported this ministry. I don't mm -hmm. know if people know that, mm -hmm. but we're just so profoundly grateful. Well, yeah. you know what? Um, uh, Dr. Kevin Cosby, uh, a pastor in Louisville, Kentucky, I asked him because I heard him give a sermon on break the huddle and run the play. Athletically themed, biblically sound, uh, and faith without works is dead. My wife has been supporting this ministry for years, and I told her I wanted to bring a contribution to do this as well, too. And what the stories that you do in Angola and places in Africa, and I've seen where the kids were in line with plastic bags. They poured the hot porridge in a plastic bag, and it burned through the bag and went down into the dirt, and the kids were eating off of the ground. How can that not touch you? Second, um, James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26 talk about faith without works being dead. But 15 and 16 talk specifically, if somebody is naked and destitute of daily food, and all you say is, be ye warmed and filled and pray for them and go, but you don't provide, that's not... That's not action. So I just wanted to make sure that I was wow. given a contribution to wow. this as well, too. Thank you so and challenge. Much. Yeah. It's 
beautiful. And challenge, and challenge a number of the other athletes who I know have a heart, many who are Christians as well, to support the Thank cause. You, mm -hmm. Thank with, you, With your permission, we would like to use this to give people clean drinking water in Absolutely. places where the water is contaminated Excellent. and killing them. Excellent. Watch this with us because we want to show you what, what a gift like this can do and what you can join in doing. Watch this for just a moment. The love a mother has for her children can be seen in many ways as she cares for them. When they run and play, it brings a smile to her face. But for Hang Mum, there are no smiles, only fading memories, like these clothes that once belonged to her five children who died because of waterborne illnesses. <laughs> Hang Mum had seven children in all. Her fifth child died one and a half years ago, but the pain is still with her. When asked what she hoped for in the future for her two remaining children, Hang Mom had a very simple request. We can help make Hang Mom's plea become a reality by drilling a fresh water well. And by doing so, all the mothers in her village can experience the joy of having clean water for their children. It's not much to ask for, really, is it? I, mean, I can't imagine, I can't imagine burying one child. The thought of burying five children is, I can't even go there. And I think of the, the number of times I've said with my own life, Lord, I wish I, could, I wish I could do something more for you. And maybe that's something you've said yourself, but you remember in scripture where Jesus said, whenever you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. The thought that when you and I actually put our faith into action and do something, that we could be an answer to, to the prayers of a mom like that. I mean, I've had the privilege, it's kind of severe mercy of kneeling down with some of these moms and, and praying for their children by name, that they're praying that they'll be able to hold on for life. You and I can change this. It's not a lot. We can make a difference. God has given us so much and so little. Can, and maybe you're thinking, well, I don't have a ton. Do you remember how Jesus and a huge crowd of people noticed a widow putting in like just like two little mites? And he says, what she has done is more than everybody. God knows how much you have. And if you don't have a ton and you're able to give a little, that will, will join it together with ours and together we'll answer the prayers of these moms who just want clean water for their children. You know, when you're standing there next to one of these water holes and you're, you're not just seeing the, the film on the water, but you're, you're smelling it and, and you know that this is all there is, it, you just think this is got to change. The good news is we can change it. That's what we're doing. You can change it. It's a big problem, but it's not too big when we all come together and we just 
do something. We can give clean drinking water to people around the world. Our goal this year is over 400 wells in over 15 nations. That will take us to a lifetime of drilling. We'll pass our 6,000th well. We can do this because we've, we know we've done it. We can tell you it works because we've seen it work in the past. It just takes us coming together. One well costs $4,800 on average. Can you provide one well? If you can, I would encourage you to do it. Go online, pick up the phone, and do it. For a lot of people, that's a lot of money, I understand. But you can partner with other viewers. $48 will provide water for a lifetime for 10 people. So will you go to the phones? Will you go online? Make the best gift you can. Just do something, be a part. We've got some, some nice gifts for you that we'd like to send to you just to remind you of your participation in giving water for life. Sheila, we're making a difference. I know, I, I've been in these villages, Cambodia, Angola, and one day I'm in a village where there's no clean water and the children are silent. And I've been in a village the next day where there's a water well, mm -hmm. another way kids to be mm -hmm. together, you and I can change the world. Today, a mother living in extreme poverty will do the unthinkable, give her children dirty, disease-filled water that she knows could kill them. With no other choice, what's a mother to do? With your help, clean water is on the way. Mission Water for Life provides a new beginning for thousands of children and their families, a bright future with better health. With your gift today, you can help drill 400 water wells in remote villages in 15 nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10. $72 will provide for 15 people. And $144 will help provide life-giving water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we'll send you the miracles of Christ, what living beyond impossible looks like. Filled with scriptures, prayers, and stories of Jesus' miraculous power, James Robison adds insight about how to walk in faith and live beyond the impossible. With your gift of $100 or more, request the morning and evening coffee mug set. Each mug features beautiful artwork and scripture from Psalm 92.2, a wonderful reminder of God's faithfulness each day. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well and you may request the beautiful Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online. But it breaks my heart to think about little children like this, so precious coming here and living on the side of a dump, and this is where they get water and it's disease-ridden. Uh, and it's just water that can kill them. If, and they need some, they drink it, they swim in it, and everything, everything alive walks through it and we need to help them it's really pretty simple but it takes all of us doing our part joining together to give not only a cup of water as jesus said but a well of water i pray you'll make that life-giving call today and children and their families in so many parts of the world will receive a chance at life because of the love of god shared through you I hope you will join with us and with our guest, James Brown, in blessing people with water. Uh, you know, I'm sorry you didn't get to meet my parents here tonight. I'm glad that Sheila and I got you, but <laughs> I, I just convey uh, my warmest regards on behalf of them for your support. This was a blessing to talk with the both of you. 
Your father has been an example of a kingdom man for a long time in what he's been doing. And again, consistent with the, the mantra that I have to break the huddle and run the play to make a difference in the world, he's doing that. Love the fact that he can show emotion. That's a real man. Yeah. But please tell your mom, the degree to which a wife is a mirror of the husband's submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, your mom is flat out awesome and she agape. Is. Tell her, I love her. I uh, sure oh, will. Thank that. you so much for being here. Appreciate all of you joining us today. Join us again a lot today. See you next time. Have you needed God to show up within a specific time frame? And he just doesn't. Spend Wednesdays in the Word tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.